Hey everybody, I'm Father Jacob. And I'm Adam. And this is Chosen, a podcast. Everyone wants to be wanted. People spend their time, their energy, and even their money in pursuit of that deep desire. But what if we told you you've been chosen? That is what this podcast is all about. In this podcast, we will explore the way God seeks and chooses us in our everyday lives. In our vocations, in our relationships, and even our struggles. And by His grace, we will experience the peace that only He can give. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Chosen, the podcast, episode two to be exact. Last week in episode one, we had the chance to hear my own vocation story and calling to the priesthood, but this week we have the opportunity to hear another story, another story of how we are all chosen. But without further ado, let's go ahead and hear it, Adam. Let's go ahead and start to take it from the top. What do you think? I think that's great. Father, it's great to be with you again this week. Yeah, definitely, for sure. We are... Recording this on National Coffee Day, which is a big day. It's not on the liturgical calendar, but it's a pretty big day. It is indeed a big day. What can I say? Mm -hmm. We're having our beverages, we're drinking our coffee, and we're going to have a great conversation. So This is it. All right. My vocation story. So I was uh, born and raised Catholic. I'm a cradle Catholic, both of my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a region rat, so I grew up in the Diocese of Gary. And the faith, interestingly enough, the faith has been an important part of my life for a very long time. I really started to get interested in the Catholic faith around the age of eight in second grade. And a big factor in that fascination was the priesthood, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah, for sure. um, I know last episode you were saying that you did not attend Catholic school. Definitely. No, that dirty public school thing, you know. <laughs> with, with the heathens. That's okay. I joined, That's right. <laughs> I joined the crew in high school. Um, but I, uh, I did go to Catholic school from uh-huh. preschool to eighth grade. Sure. Uh, St. Patrick Parish is my home parish in Chesterton. Sure. And um, what I remember, I mean, we had religion class, but when you're really young, you, you don't really remember a ton. But sure. one thing that stood out was that uh, in second grade, I started to notice that the priests would visit the classrooms, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. At that time, I didn't really know what a priest was, um, but I knew that this man uh, who would visit us once a week, he worked at the building across the parking lot, Mm -hmm. and uh, he had a lot of joy, he had a lot of energy, he had a lot of passion, Mm -hmm. and um, he was really funny. And uh, (laughs) so... Yeah, there you go, the perfect package then, huh? That's it. (laughs) So I was like, wow, I can listen to this guy. and then we go to school masses, and he's up on the altar, mm-hmm. right? So then I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. And, um, you know, as, as time went on, uh, he ended up getting transferred. Sure. As is apt to happen. Right. And um, the, the new priest came, uh, Father Kevin Huber, mm-hmm. and I noticed that here's a different man, right? But there's a similar joy. There's a similar energy about him. Sure, and sure. I thought, okay, what do these two guys have in common? And then I realized that they both wore the same thing, right? Yeah, so, yeah, all black, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it stands out. I mean, unless you're Johnny Cash, yeah, that's you, true. You gotta have a good, you gotta have a good reason. Sure, definitely. So, um, so then I was like, oh, priesthood. Okay. So then I started to to try and learn more about the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to learn more about the faith and my own reading, uh, and I got involved more. Uh, in parish life. So whether that was altar serving or youth group, um, teaching religious education, as time went on, I just got more and more 
uh, involved. And um, so in short order, mm -hmm. you know, getting into high school, uh, my peers started to take notice, right? So they noticed that I was heavily plugged into the parish mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, basically took on the mantle of the church kid, if you want to put it that way. Definitely, yeah. And um, which was fine. But it, it came as no surprise then that at the end of my time in high school, I pursued the seminary. Right. And um, for my seminary years, I was at Bishop Simon Brute College Seminary in mm -hmm. Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Shout out. And uh, those four years were some of the most influential in my life. And I say that as a married man. Yeah, definitely. You heard it here. Seminary has applicable life school skills to <laughs> those that are not priests, right? Very much so. Wow. Um, it is clear evidence that no time is wasted with God. Mm. He's the creator of time. He's not the waster of time. Amen. Preach it. Preach it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, four fantastic years. Mm -hmm. And um, lived at the seminary, received formation at the seminary. Um, so we went to daily mass. We did holy hours and we mm -hmm. prayed in common with the liturgy of the hours uh, as a community every day yeah um well and particularly too the reality that the you know seminary at simon brute indy it's like the castle the fortress right? it literally is yeah yeah it's it's uh it was a former carmelite monastery mm -hmm. and uh the archdiocese ended up purchasing the archdiocese of indianapolis purchased mm -hmm. the monastery and it was a carmelite order so it was it was meant to be built like a castle in Avila, or like some people say it was supposed to be like the interior castle of Teresa of Avila. Whoa. Put, put into brick form, yeah. Okay, into so. brick form, indeed. <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah, it's a beautiful place with beautiful people. Uh, and so I grew in my understanding of what it meant to be a man, mm -hmm. what it meant to be a Catholic man, mm -hmm. and to be a man of service, especially. Um, discerning a possibility of, pursuing the priesthood mm -hmm. so um a big factor in that also was spiritual direction that's a big piece of the seminary experience seminary formation um my spiritual director was a jesuit priest father tom widner yeah um, god rest him right yeah uh he passed away a couple of years ago but he was a tremendous influence on my life mm -hmm. and um so i lived at the seminary i earned my undergraduate degree in philosophy from Marion University, which was about a mile down the road from the seminary. Sure. It's a small Catholic university in Indianapolis. And um, alongside the academic formation and the human formation and the spiritual formation is also opportunities for ministry and, um, yeah. and apostolics. For, you know, that's what some people call it. But Oh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and those were real blessings. Those were opportunities for me to put the um, knowledge that I was learning in the classroom, the spiritual insights I was receiving in prayer and spiritual direction uh, to, into concrete practice. Definitely. So, it's interesting, too, how we've, uh, you know, went into the pillars of seminary formation in the vocation talk of a married man and not of the priest. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's still a beautiful thing, a testament to how impactful seminary life can be on anyone that undertakes it. So Very true. Mm. Um, so I had the chance to uh, work with those 
who experienced physical and mental disabilities at the Share Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, did some prison ministry with the Missionaries of Charity at the state prison. Definitely. Um, you know, worked with um, people in the nursing home in Indianapolis. So just a wide variety of service opportunities. And um, in each of those, I, I truly believe what the Lord said in Matthew 25, that, uh, you know, whatever you do for the, the least of these, you do to me. And so I was encountering the Lord in each of those moments and, and coming to know him and coming to know how he worked in mm-hmm. my life. Um, so while all of that was very impactful, uh, there were also some challenges um, sure. in my time at seminary. Um, you know, I think, again, to desire to administer the sacraments is a beautiful thing. Uh, to serve God's people in such a unique way mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're really discerning a life. Right? Sure. Uh, and so a big question for me in my own discernment was, can I live a happy, healthy and holy celibate life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I would talk about that with my spiritual director and process that with him. And um, But as I moved along through seminary, I arrived to my fourth year, and I was going on a Christmas retreat to St. Meinrad, uh, Arch Abbey and Seminary in southern Indiana. Down south, right? Down south, Benedictine shout-out. Well, not to mention, what, how many monks you think of there these days? you have any guess? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't put a tally on it myself, yeah. but nonetheless, great men, great and holy men. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, the big thing about this retreat that I remember is that I didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think as all good things that end up happening to us, there's a little bit of struggle, right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I was like, I don't want to go. I, I have no desire to be here right now. What is this about? So yeah. a, a missing piece started to take root uh, in my life, and... I shared this with my spiritual director, Father Tom. Yeah. And I just told him, I said, Father, I'm noticing that there's a missing piece, a missing joy. I'm, I'm not looking to act on it right now. I want to sit with this. I want to process this. But I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Mm. And he said, that's fine. You know, just continue to pray with it. See how it develops. And um, so time went on. The, the last semester finished up, mm-hmm. graduated in May. And at that point, I was still in a similar place. Yeah, and I mean, really, at the end of college seminary, there's the chance to, I mean, you're really about to take the next step in terms of seminary formation, right? Right. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, um, graduating in May, you and I were going to be receiving candidacy together that right. August. That's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, candidacy is basically a public declaration mm-hmm. um, that a man makes before his bishop, before the people, um, before God, that he intends to very you know, purposefully and intentionally continued discernment of priesthood. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't necessarily make a promise, but he basically is saying this, this seems to be for me. Definitely. I mean, a more intentional reality. And I mean, not really to mention too, uh, goes without, might go without saying, but if you've been to a seminary campus, there can be after candidacy then where some seminaries will express that and show that. And the guy's actually wearing like clerical attire at that right. point. Yeah. It's, so, kind of like engagement you know sometimes mm-hmm. like people wear the ring before they get married right i mean yeah. it's just it's a sign of that so um when i arrived at that place there that missing piece was still there mm-hmm. and i was looking at candidacy and what it meant and i thought to myself i'm not there um that's not where i am in my discernment that's not where i'm at in my prayer and i don't think that the lord is inviting me to take that step 
Yeah, so you just white knuckled and just push through, you know, like you know. No, yeah, not, not so much. Not um, not advisable if any if none of you caught my drift. Yeah, right? absolutely not. So, um, so at that point, I mean, that was a difficult realization. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember to the beginning of of the segment, thoughts about priesthood, attraction to priesthood in the church, is something that started when I was eight. Sure, I'm 22 now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a radical shift. Definitely. And um, I, I like to think of it in the context of Abraham in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, here's Abraham. He's 75 years old. He's been living in Haran his whole life. His family has roots there. He has his wife there. And then God says, hey, Abraham, I want I want you to go. I guess it'd be Abram then. But I want you yeah. to go to the land that I will show you. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, well, where is it? And God's like, just start walking and I'll show you. Right. Just get on. Just get on moving. And he did. <laughs> and uh, that's what it felt like. At the time, mm-hmm. when I discontinued seminary formation, people would ask me, well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I really didn't have an answer. Uh, I just knew that it was not going to be going to Mundelein. Right. Uh, and, and that was scary mm-hmm. to not have a clear picture of exactly what the next step was. Yeah, I mean, particularly, too, where I think even it can be a particular challenge is when people kind of equate, you know, seminary discernment and seminary formation with, you know, if you're leaving, then it's like not successful. And if you stay, mm-hmm. then it's successful, you know, not really a good picture of what the seminary is for, you know, really. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just, uh, I remember when I left, um, I really hadn't, not a lot of support yeah mm-hmm. um, from from those close to me around me even within the context of the church sure the predominant messages that i received at that time were along the lines of uh, this is a disappointment mm-hmm. um, you, you're going to struggle to find joy um, you're making a mistake yeah and uh, my favorite and i say favorite facetiously yeah uh, I was, I was, if you could only see his face, you know, right? <laughs> I was I was praying after daily mass one day, and um, this was probably about I don't know three four months after I had discerned out of seminary. Yeah, and um, and uh, a woman came up to me after mass and said, "I was I was praying." She said, "Are you a seminarian?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, did you used to be a seminarian?" And I said, "Yes." And she said why aren't you now? And I said, I, I felt that God was not calling me to pursue that path. Mm-hmm. And her response, I'll never forget it. Her response was, well, all I'll say is this. If you were supposed to be a priest and you don't become a priest, then I would not want to be you on judgment day. Yeah, she was laying it on pretty light there, huh? <laughs> I mean. But don't worry. Then she, she tapped my hand and said, I'll pray for you. So, oh, the condescending, I'll pray for you. Yeah. You know? Classic. That's, that's what that's about. Classic. And, you know, in reality, Father, I don't, you know, I don't bring this up to, you know, come down hard on anybody or to criticize. But really, mm-hmm. I just, I think it's an important conversation that we need to have in the life of the church that we're, you know, we're not here this isn't a priesthood processing factory. Right. Um, mm-hmm. This is a place for vocational discernment. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, not to mention, like what I said jokingly earlier, like, well, you just white knuckled and pushed through. I mean, that is not the answer for right. seminary formation. That's not the answer for someone discerning marriage. That's not the answer for someone 
in marriage prep with their spouse that something comes up in the in their own lives and something that they share together like that is never the answer <laughs> absolutely term, you know and I mean, I mean on the other side of things i mean there's a certain sense in which we endure and persevere when we found our vocation mm-hmm. when we have engaged in it and that god has ratified and confirmed that call right. through the community through the church through our friends through our loved ones but in discerning that that is quite the antithesis of really what we should be doing i mean right <laughs> absolutely yeah and um so that was a very difficult time mm-hmm. uh I never fully realized how much identity and worth I sure. had associated with being in the seminary and and um, being so closely connected to the church in that visible way. Well, I mean, not to mention, I mean, there are certain, I mean, you know, you don't join the seminary to get gas cards and gifts, <laughs> but I mean, there are certain realities and that people love you and want to show that affection for you in ways to support you. I mean, right? right. So there's yeah. that reality. You go home on break and you see... Um, you know, people at daily mass and they treat you like the fourth person of the Trinity, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, to have that shift. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, uh, mm-hmm. um, it was difficult and, sure. but I, you know, there was a pivot a few months after, um, you know, discerning out of seminary and that came when I started to turn my gaze towards discernment of marriage. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, a few months had gone by, and I started to think to myself, okay, I'm not in the seminary formation anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the Lord's calling me to that path. Um, so I th- think it's about time and worthwhile to start discerning married life. Right. Seems logical. Yeah. So I thought to myself, you know, who is somebody that I could envision or who I would desire to to get to know more, to discern that path with? And um, the person that came to mind was Molly Girth. There it is. Who is now Molly Anton. Boom. End <laughs> episode. No. <I'm> just <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll never forget. I Well, I, I'd known Molly a little bit before that. She was a nursing student uh, in Indianapolis. And we, and we had a, a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, th- you know, I remember, again, months after I had left, I thought, okay, like, I want to ask her on a date. So, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh she was living in Indianapolis. I was up here. We met in Indianapolis to get some ice cream. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Got some ice cream. And then uh, she was studying for the NCLEX at the time. So she was taking a study break. Standardized test for nurses. Side note. Continue. You got it. Yep. And uh, she was taking a study break. And, uh, you know, we chatted. And then she said, well, you know, I got to be getting back to studying. And I thought to myself, it's now or never. I got to ask her on this date. Don't blow it. Yeah. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. So we're standing in the parking lot. Don't blow it. The parking lot is next to baseball fields. Don't blow it. And she, <laughs> she started to notice that I was in my head a little bit, like mm-hmm. that I was, you know, thinking about something. Yeah. And so she said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. Uh, She's like, you, you seem like something's on your mind. Yeah, you're blowing it. There it is. I know. I'm yep. like, don't do this. Don't ruin this. <laughs> and uh, I look over at the fields, and there's a guy cutting the grass. And the only thing I could think of in the moment was to say, and I quote, that guy's doing a good job cutting the grass. Man, you, you, you're on the verge of blowing it right there. Mr. Suave. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. Mr. Right, here he is. <laughs> she looked at me, and she said, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I said, uh, will you go on a date with me? Boom. There it is. She's like, really? And I said, if you don't want to, it's not a big deal. Like, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah, I got nervous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she said, no, no, no. I'd love to. I just wasn't necessarily expecting that. And I said, awesome. So, uh, so that started the, the dating, Mm. um, experience. So there's a clear thing here. You asked her on a date, right? You were explicit. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. No, like hanging out or whatever. Like you want to get, spend some time. No, it's like you're going, you're going for it. Clarity always helps. Mm. Mm. I think that's just a a rule principle for life. Clarity always helps. Clarity and defining the relationship. It's right there. Absolutely. There it is. So, so we were dating. Now it's important to mention that I was still struggling a bit with um, the effects of discerning out of seminary, mm-hmm. um, people's responses. Yeah, you know, you you try your best not to take that to heart, but it does have an effect on you. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we had started dating, but in the back of my mind, there's just this gnawing thought, like. You're not going to find happiness. Like what people were telling me when I left. You're not going to find happiness. Right. You're not going to find joy. Don't want to be you on judgment day. So there's just like, I'm literally. Light things. You know, very light. <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I, you know, the, the mental image is just like going down a dead end. And I thought to myself, like, I don't want to bring Molly down this dead end. And so we took mm. we took a break in dating. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really think about that. And I'm like. You know, I, it was a moment for me to do some, some deep prayer Mm -hmm. and reflection. And eventually I came to a place where, um, I realized that my worth, my identity was solely not in being in seminary, being a priest, but in being a child of God Mm. that preach, please. Mm. Uh, and it, and it's something that I've continued to try to grow into, but Mm -hmm. the realization of. I am chosen still. Um, Name of the podcast. <laughs> little plug. Um, and so and that was a big factor for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this concept of being chosen. If you, if you go to an ordination mass, which if you're listening and you haven't been to an ordination mass, do yourself a favor. Yeah, yeah you should go. And go to an ordination mm-hmm. mass. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. The, mm-hmm. the ritual, the tradition, the theology. But in the context of the litany of the saints, one of the things that comes up quite a bit is, you know, God, you know, bless these chosen men, consecrate these chosen men. And so now, if you're not in a place where you're in seminary or you're getting ordained, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be not, you know, quote unquote chosen? Right. And so between that factor and just like the the response from other people, it was just very difficult. Mm -hmm. Challenging time for sure. Yeah. So... Um, but eventually after taking a little bit of a break from dating, um, we got back together and, um, things were going pretty well, but there is still this underlying, like, you know, the sense of being, uh, not enough or, mm-hmm. or maybe not, um, pursuing what, what God was wanting. Right. So there's like this, this inner turmoil or mm-hmm. what have you. And so, um, we ended up taking a, another break from dating. Sure. Right? So this is tough stuff, right? A lot of ebb and flow here, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, the first time that where we stopped dating, there was still some communication going on. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. This time, there was no communication. Nothing. Everything was cut, cut off. off. Okay. Deleted. Wow. Deleted from Snapchat. Dang, that's that's cold. The that's de- that's the, firm. The depths. Mm. The depths. Mm. So, um, at that time, you know, maybe like a month or so had gone by, and I'd actually started talking to another girl a mm-hmm. little bit. She was very nice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, very prayerful, very faithful. Um, the more that I spent time with her, mm-hmm. the more I started to miss Molly. Mm. And the more I realized just the gifts of that relationship. Yeah. And so in my mind, I thought, man, I, I feel like I have some more clarity. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, I was like, well... I've already been a person who's stopped dating twice and I don't want to treat her or her emotions like a yo-yo. So I'm just not going to pursue it. I'm going to wait and see what the Lord unfolds. Mm. Dicey proposition because you just don't know how how it's going to. Well, and I mean, not to mention as well that the sense of Chu trying to, you know, be prudent and be wise and also be respectful. I mean, it's, uh, it's a balancing act for sure, yeah. you know, and also in, in mixing in with that as well, trying to, in your own life, pursue, uh, you know, your your own vocation and your own relationship with God in this context. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and that was a pivot too from, from seminary life was like, you discern with the church, you discern with, discern with a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is like pers- like individual discernment. Right. In the context of relationship, which was something that was newer for me, mm-hmm. um, it's not just me anymore. Right. Like, I'm not the only one discerning. And mm-hmm. there's this other person with their own prayer life. Go figure, right? I mean, crazy. <laughs> um, their own relationship with God. And uh, so that was a factor that I was learning, too. Anyways, I said, I'm not going to follow up. I'm just going to let it be about... Two to three weeks later, I get a message from Molly out of the blue. Hadn't heard from her in a mm. few months. And she said, Adam, my, uh, my friend Elizabeth and I are going on a trip to Europe. And we're going to, you know, a number of beautiful holy sites and churches. Um, is there anything you'd like me to pray for? And uh, I said, you know, in my mind, I was thinking like, yeah, I want you to pray that we get back together. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be that bold. Uh, so I said, um, why don't you pray for special intention? She's just like, nothing more specific than that. And I said, nah, just a special intention, which I found out later drove her nuts. Like she, (laughs) she wanted to know what it was. Um, the veiled special intention. Yes. The secrecy. Yes. The suspense. So, you know, she, she goes to Italy. She sends me a picture of, um, the skyline of Florence and she said, you know, praying for you here. Mm. And I thought, this is my window. This is my chance. So oh, I, te- yeah. I texted her back and I said, that looks beautiful. Thank you so much for praying for me. I would love to hear about your trip when you get back, if that's something you'd be interested in. Boom. There's a special intention, friends. <laughs> Unveiled. And she said, I'll let you know. Oh, and I was like, dagger. Ooh. Dagger. I was like, all right, fair. Fair. <laughs> fair enough. So I knew she got back on a Friday. And we didn't, we didn't correspond after that. I knew she got back on a Friday. Uh-huh. Friday rolls around, no message. I said, you know what? It's a long day for her. Mm-hmm, you know, She's mm-hmm. probably not going to. Saturday passes, no message. I said, well, the jet lag is kind of oh, yeah. intense. 
Yeah, you're rationalizing at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah Sunday like, rolls around. We're getting into the evening hours. I think it's over. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> message comes sailing in Sunday mm. night. Would you want to get together tomorrow for lunch and talk about my trip? And that day happened to be my birthday also. Wow. I said, yes. The coincidence of it all. So um, we got together for lunch, talked about the trip, mm-hmm. and then slowly started dating again after that. There it is. And um, so about two years after that, um, I, you know, again, all the learning curves in that relationship, right? Sure. Uh, how, how do we integrate our um, spiritual lives together? How do we love one another even amidst, you know, our own quirks, mm-hmm. our own challenges? We all have them. Right, right, right. yeah. And, and if you think you don't, you're lying to yourself. Absolutely. If you're listening to this, I mean, come on. The, yeah. the other thing that, that came into greater clarity is we often talk about married life and, you know, dating in preparation for married life, but mm-hmm. in the context of sanctifying that other person, right? Mm. Helping them to become holy, holy, a saint. Mm. Oh, yeah. And um, in my mind, initially, I thought, well, the way that happens is I encourage her to pray mm-hmm. her rosary and she encourages me to pray her ros- or my rosary or I encourage her to do a holy hour. And that's nice. And that needs to be a part of it. The silo prayer life. Right. Yeah. But the real sanctification comes in loving the other person amidst their annoyances mm. and struggles mm-hmm. and challenges. like that's that's where sanctity comes into play like that's how you know um you know becoming saints in the in the midst of a relationship takes takes form so so we were dating and um i remember this clear as day as if it was yesterday mm. it was the third sunday in ordinary time Okay, third Sunday, yeah, yeah. I was in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. visiting my brother and his wife. Molly was not in Indianapolis. She she had moved up to northwest Indiana by this time, Mm -hmm. okay? And so I woke up, and I went to pray at an adoration chapel, actually at Molly's home parish. Sure. Okay? The gospel reading for that Sunday was when Jesus appears to the apostles— uh, on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias. And uh, he is resurrected. Right. And they had tried to go fishing the night before, and they didn't catch anything. Right, right. right. The, the veteran fishermen come up empty. Right. Yeah. And so Jesus comes, and he says, you know, toss the nets to the other side. Mm-hmm. They bring in the large swath of fish. And then John says, it's the Lord. Peter jumps out and swims to the shore. That's right. So I'm reading this passage. And there's one question that's coming to my mind. What made Peter jump? What what prompted Peter to get out of the boat? Um, now, I think to myself, okay. Uh, well, when you look at the story, it's almost a mirror image of the first encounter that Peter has with Jesus, right? Where he had been fishing all night, he mm-hmm. caught nothing, Jesus comes to the shore, and he says, go out for a catch. And he drops the net and he gets it. And then boom. Yep. So it's kind of like Peter might have been thinking, I've seen this pattern before. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen this type of working in my life. But even then he might have been like, ah, but there's always the possibility that I'm that I'm missing something. But then his close friend John interjects and says, it's the Lord. Right? He's saying like, Peter, you can trust what you're seeing here. You can trust your instincts. 
And, um, but even after that, there still had to be a moment when Peter said, I, I have to jump. Like, this is my decision and I have to jump. I'm all in. Yep. Yep. And, um, and it's interesting. <laughs> the gospel makes note of the fact that when the apostles go back to shore, even after catching the fish, it says nobody dared to ask him who he was because they already knew. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm reading this passage and I'm imagining myself as Peter. Mm-hmm. And the question came to my mind, are you going to jump or not? Are you going to take the leap or not? You've been dating for two, two and a half years. You've seen how the Lord has been working in your life. Um, What's it going to be? Are you going to stay in the security and uh, comfort of the boat, quote unquote? Or are you going to take that jump? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in addition to seeing how the Lord had been working in my life and drawing me back to relationship with Molly, uh I'd also been meeting with a spiritual director, mm-hmm. uh, Father Philip Bachansky, great man, uh, and processing all of the discernment journey there. And my close friends and family were encouraging of the relationship. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like John, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, it is okay. Sure. But there is still that moment. And I think all of us as human beings have it where, like, we realize no matter how much we calculate, no mm-hmm. matter how much we plan, at the end of the day, faith is faith. And you take the jump. Amen. You can't calculate that on a spreadsheet or pie chart. You just got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I also think about that, you know, nobody dared to ask me any questions. I would totally, like if I was there, my personality, I would have totally been like, Jesus, is that you? Like, I mean, is that, you know? <laughs> but I think I, I learned a very important lesson from the apostles in that passage. And it's at a certain point, you have to stop asking yourself questions that you already know the answer to. Um, which is difficult. Yeah. Because once you answer a question, um, your life is lived differently as a result. A little bit of commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and you, you know, that, that sense of your life being lived differently, commitment, responsibility is seen even in that passage. Right. Because right after all that shakes down, Jesus pulls Peter aside and that's when he says, do you love me? Right. And then he's mm-hmm. like, feed my sheep and so there's that sense it's like all right adam you love molly you've you've seen all of these ways the lord has worked in your life you've had that consolation of spiritual direction all that if you love her if you love me it's time to serve it's time to make that action and uh time to leave off the boat yeah and uh i went to my spiritual director shared that with him and he encouraged me i was like He's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I want to take the leap. I want to take the jump. And I said, but I don't know a first step. And so he encouraged me to go to a jewelry store and mm. see what that experience was like. Did it prompt anxiety? Was it comfortable? Was there peace? Yeah. Father, have you ever gone jewelry shopping? Uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had never gone to a jewelry store. Okay, and in my mind, I'm thinking you walk in, there's a display case, and it's got engagement rings. And then you look at it, and then you pick one, yeah. and then like that's... And then they just make a copy of it, and you roll. Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's easy. I pull in the parking lot. Not that easy. No. No. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I pull in the parking lot, and I, th- I, I say a quick prayer. I'm like, Lord, I trust that you're here. Please be with me. And I walk in, and 
like all these people just swamp me. They're like, <laughs> can we get you coffee? What is the clarity you'd like? What's the cut that you would like? What, um, what type of gold? And I was just like engagement ring, you know, like I'm just looking for. And um, I was like, you know, what? I'll just take some, some pamphlets yeah, and then yeah. I'll come back. And um, so, but what was amazing was even with that rush of what was going on, mm-hmm. there was not a sense of, this isn't, this is bad, right? right. There's just a sense of, this is okay. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is good. And um, I, so I got the information and I ended up going back to the jewelry store and this is where dots really connect. Okay. Right. So yeah. I, yeah. I mentioned earlier that a big struggle for me was that concept of, was I not chosen? Was, did God not want me? Right. And it's something that I talked to Molly about. It's something that I prayed with and talked in spiritual direction about. But I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. I was standing at the jewelry store. I had the ring that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this ring. And so in my mind, I just said a quick prayer. I said, Lord, I trust you've been with me this whole time. Please be with me now as I, as I make this purchase. And... Help me to know your presence. And I'm standing at the counter. I look up. And, and here's the deal. I'm, I'm not necessarily, my spirituality is not such where I'm like, show me a sign. Like, that's not, <laughs> you know, if this color pops up on mm-hmm. this screen, then mm-hmm. I know, like, that's, right, not, that's right. not me. Yeah. But I'm standing at the counter. I look up. There's a poster on the wall. And the, the poster is a black and white photo of a guy on one knee mm-hmm. proposing to this girl. There's one word on the poster in bold white letters across the top, and it says chosen. Mm. Wow. What and a moment, huh? I, uh, you know, when you receive those experiences of consolation or those experiences of, of knowing his presence, you got to hold on to those because there will be days where it's hard. Sure. And so let's just say I, I put a big... Um, Spiritual deposit in the bank that day. Mm, and uh, There it is. Chosen. Purchased the ring, and uh, we got married. Man. What a way for the, you know, the, uh, the will of the Lord and the Lord's love to really unfold in your life, though, in that moment. It's something else, huh? Yeah. I am um, super grateful for it. Mm. Um, and it's amazing. And we'll get into this, I'm sure, more in, in later episodes, but... You know, in the ways that God chooses us, it's amazing to experience his love and his choice in the way that Molly loves me, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that Molly chooses me each day and in the way that I'm prompted to love and choose her too. Um, and so that that incident, that moment, I think has been echoed and re-echoed um, throughout our engagement mm-hmm. and even into this initial period of being married. Well, and that's part of the, I mean, just the, you know, the, the leap of faith like you're talking about in terms of jumping off the boat, taking that leap in uh, in your relationship with her, but then for it to be ratified um, you know, so strongly uh, by the will of God and by the way that he spoke to you in those moments. Um, you know, on, on one hand, um, you know, like you said, that tension and anxiety-inducing, that could have been anxiety-inducing mm-hmm. moment, but then really for God to work in that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Talk about powerful. I mean, yeah. really just cutting through that whole situation like a knife, you yeah. know? And it was, it was a, 
I, I got to be honest, it was a pleasant relief from some of the, the negative uh, mm-hmm. flack that I had caught initially, you yeah. know, in pursuing mm-hmm. um, the vocation that I felt God was calling me to, mm-hmm. you know, and he really, I think that was a way of him pouring his mercy into some of those wounds. Oh, yeah. Um, Healing, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. And that, that affirmation of, I choose you, I love you, I I choose you and Molly mm-hmm. in this in this pursuit of holiness in the sacrament of married life. Um, and I continue to accompany you along the way, each step. So, yeah. Yeah, something I always remember for sure. Well, thanks be to God and blessed be God for, you know, just to hear your story, to hear how the Lord can work in your life, the, word, the way that the Lord has worked in your life and unfolded uh, through, you know, a calling to marriage and a call to love and a call to lay down each other's lives for each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, really that reciprocal love. And the beauty of that is something that's awesome to witness as your friend and as a friend of Molly and to see how that is unfolded in your lives and how it continues really just in a, a really blessed place to, to be able to witness that seriously. Well, thanks, Father. And, you yeah. know, I, I would just say um, that for any young man who might be listening to this podcast, um, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier in the episode, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I'm so grateful for my time in seminary, um, and I don't think that I would be the man I am today, the husband I am today, um, or as you know, prepared or apt to pursue this vocation if I hadn't had those experiences. And so, if you're in a place where you're thinking about, uh, you know, priesthood might be for me, be for me, but I'm not entirely sure, um, don't be afraid to take that step, and um, he'll guide you, he'll lead you where he wants you to go. Amen. Amen. So if you're out there, don't worry. Don't be afraid to reach out to, you know, any um, in terms of priests in your area or vocation directors in your area that would have the opportunity to walk with you, to discern with you, whatever it may be, whatever your vocation is, no matter who you are, where you've been. My friends, that is actually going to be where we have to leave it off for this week in the second episode where we've explored a little bit more into the life and story of Adam Antone. So in the meantime, continued Lord's blessings for you in your life, and we'll look forward to another episode very soon. Until then, see you soon. God bless.